Welcome back to season two of the Ivy League Prep Academy podcast, equipping you to successfully pursue the college of your dreams. We believe everyone deserves to reach their full potential and the admissions process shouldn't hold you back. This is for those of you who wonder if it's even possible to be both ambitious and realistic at the same time. It might feel like you have to just bounce back and forth between being ambitious at some times and then kind of slipping back and resting and being realistic and then getting back on your feet and running and sprinting until you're exhausted so you can try to be ambitious and that there's just no healthy balance. But somehow trying to be as much as you think you can be ends up being unhealthy and unhappy instead of being inspiring and wonderful. And today I want to talk about what we can do, a few ideas that I hope you can adopt that can help you to be both realistic and incredibly ambitious at the same time. It's wonderful that there is, in fact, no conflict here. Perhaps the most important thing that I could get across to you is that there are different time horizons that you can be thinking about in order to plan out your life and to plan out your activities. And in my opinion, you want to either be long-term or very, very short-term. So what does that look like for me? I believe that the two best time horizons are about 10 years and about one hour. Now for teenagers, five years might be perfect, all right? I'm a little bit older, and so I can think in 10-year time horizons, and some of you teenagers out there, 10 years works just great. But for some of you, 10 years feels like, my goodness, there's no way to see that far into the future. And in that case, think about five years. For the adults, the teachers, the parents, the guidance counselors that I know are listening in as well, I want you to think in terms of about 10 years for your long-term time horizons. Be ambitious, dream big, think big. You'll shock yourself at what you can accomplish in 10 years. We always overestimate what we can accomplish in one year, but we underestimate what we can accomplish in five years. And so when you think in terms of five years for your teens or 10 years for adults, I want you to think really big. Think about what is the greatest outcome possible and then ask the question two or three times above that. Say, what is even better? All right, what's the best thing I can possibly imagine? And what would be even better than that? Right, as you answer that question, think really, really big. And at the same time, I also want you to think in terms of very small time increments. For me, those time increments are about an hour. So when you're making plans, think big, think long-term, think 10 years. When you're making progress, think small. All right, think about what are you doing right now? And for me, one hour is about the right amount of time to get something really significant done. For you, it might be 10 minute increments or 20 minute increments if an hour feels like it's just too much. Regardless of how long that time horizon is, I hope you understand the concept here. When you're making plans, I want you to think as big as possible. But when you're making progress, when you're working towards the objectives within those plans, when you're making progress in those plans, think small. Think, what am I doing right now that is moving me towards that 10-year vision or that five-year vision? All right, that's the first key, in my opinion, to being both ambitious and realistic at the same time. The second thing is for you to understand the difference between self-discipline and self-identity. I have seen, for example, over the last few months, as my young son, he's only eight years old, but as he has begun to adopt the identity of a musician, of a violinist, his practices have completely transformed. There was a time, very short time ago, that it required incredible self-discipline for him to just even pretend to be focused during his practice. 
but somehow a few months ago he decided that he was a musician. And so a musician needs to practice with focus, needs to improve every time that he practices. And now my son is not using self-discipline to stay focused, and instead he is adopting the role of a musician. He's doing exactly what a musician should be doing when they practice, and the change is just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. The same thing holds true for, for those of you who maybe don't identify with being a musician. If you identify as an athlete, think about how little self-discipline you need to get out and work out. If you identify as a great student, you're not using self-discipline to sit down and do your homework. That's just what you do. You come prepared. Now, we all know that. We've experienced that with all the things that we can already identify with. But what if you wanted to adopt a new identity? What if you wanted to become great in some area that you're not already self-identified with? For some of you, that's going to be, how do I become a better student, right? Or for others, a better athlete, a better musician, or a better entrepreneur, or whatever. When you first decide that you want to adopt a new identity, when you first decide that you want to be better than you are at something, it's going to feel awkward. And I want you to consider this to be kind of like if you start a new job or if you start a new school year at a new school where you have new teachers and new classmates that you don't recognize, that first period feels awkward. You don't really know what you're supposed to do and you don't really know how you're supposed to behave and what the norms and what all of that is. And so when you try to adopt a new identity, there's this kind of getting to know you period. There's this awkward phase that you have to pass through. And a lot of people give up on their great ambitions when they pass into that awkward stage. When they start to realize, oh, this isn't me. This doesn't feel comfortable. This isn't who I am. And so they give up. But you're second guessing yourself not because you're not good enough or not because you can't. You just don't know the protocols yet. You just don't have the habits in place. You're just not used to this. And you haven't identified this way before, but now you're choosing to and there's this awkward getting to know yourself stage. I want you to realize that that stage is going to be there every single time you try to adopt a new identity and be ready for it and be okay with it. Be cool with being a little bit awkward for a little while. It's just there because you are new. And really soon, you'll figure it all out. You'll figure out what you're supposed to do. You'll figure out the protocols and you'll be totally fine. You'll be completely comfortable in this new role because all of those little tiny actions that you take when you are adopting the identity, the extra focus that you have that you take towards your activities, all of that becomes natural and normal once you figure it out, but it takes a little bit of time. So know that when you adopt a new identity, you're going to pass through a little awkward phase, be okay with it, be ready to just kind of keep moving forward, put in the time, act as if you're new at this school or you're new at your job and it's going to take a few days or a few weeks to kind of figure things out. Totally fine, just put in the time and you'll be great. The last thing that I really wanted to emphasize here is that the environment that you're in is far more important than you realize. If self-identity is more important than self-discipline, I'm going to tell you that your environment is far more important than your willpower. Imagine that you really wanted to bake a birthday cake and maybe you've never baked before and you don't know this, but imagine you have two ovens and one birthday cake has the right temperature and you put the batter in the pan and you put the cake pan into the oven and at the right temperature for the right amount of time, that cake just cooks correctly. And then in another oven, you put the exact same quality of batter and everything else all the same, but you put it in an oven that does not get to the right temperature. It's too hot or it's too cold. The environment just isn't right. Well, what's going to happen? Obviously one of these cakes is going to turn out to be beautiful and delicious and perfect 
and the other one is not going to even resemble a cake at all. And would you say to that cake that's in the wrong oven at the wrong temperature, that's just not capable of baking into a nice cake, would you say, man, if you just wanted it more, you could have something great? And, and would you try to shame that cake? <laughs> I mean, that's silly, right? Clearly the environment matters tremendously and everything is like that. Imagine two plants, one trying to grow in fertile soil and another one in rocky soil. Would you shame the plant that's trying to grow out off of a cliff, out of rocks, uh, because it's not growing as quickly as the plant that's growing in beautiful, healthy soil? Of course not. We know that the environment is critical for success in every domain in life. Well, it's critical for your own success as well, for your own personal growth and for your own ability to go and reach for your ambitious desires. When your environment works against you, it's like swimming upstream all the time. You're going to get exhausted. You're going to stop moving your arms and legs. And when you do, that stream is going to push you right back from where you began. And it's going to be endlessly frustrating. Instead, pay attention to your environment. If your environment forces you to swim upstream all the time, let's change it and let's change it today. Here's what I want you to do. Choose that one thing that you want to improve about yourself. That thing that can help you the most. And then, step two, do an audit of your environment. How many of the things in your environment support you in pursuing your goal? Those would be things that push you downstream. Versus how many things in your environment oppose your goal and cause you to have to swim upstream in order to do. If your environment causes you to swim upstream all the time and you have to depend on willpower to overcome that environment, eventually you will burn out and you will feel like, man, I'm just not good enough, <laughs> right? That's not the outcome that we want. Let's choose the environment. Let's shape the environment so that we're moving downstream. So that even on our bad days, we're making progress towards our ambitious goals. For example, let's say that you have a habit every day after school of coming home, putting your backpack down, sitting in the comfortable chair, picking up the remote control, and turning on the television. You watch TV for a couple of hours until dinner time, and then you have to, in an exhausted state, finish dinner, and then try to do your homework late at night. Obviously, that's not conducive to your goal, your ambition to be an excellent student. And so you tell yourself, look, tomorrow, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to walk past the living room all the way into my bedroom, and then I'm going to get started studying so I can get my work done before dinner, and I can enjoy myself in the evening and then get to bed at an earlier time. And that can continue to support me as I, you know, the next day is going to be even better because I got more sleep and everything else. But the next day you come home and you don't keep walking past the living room. Of course you don't. You have a habit of living in this environment and you put your backpack down, you sit in the comfortable chair, you pick up the remote, you turn on the TV, and two hours later you realize, oh yeah, I was going to walk past the living room and go all the way to my bedroom so I could begin studying right when I came home from school. And you can do this day in and day out and nothing's going to change. Or you can say, let me, while I'm thinking about it, let me, number one, choose who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a great student. Number two, I'm going to do this audit. I'm going to look around at my environment and see the things that are pushing me forward or pulling me backwards. And when I look at the things that are pulling me backwards, I can see a comfortable chair. I can see a remote control uh, to, to turn on the television. I can see a big, beautiful television there. All these things that are distracting me. And it's so easy to not even think about things, just mindlessly walk into the living room put my backpack down, and then watch television for hours. Instead, I'm going to change the environment. I'm going to take away the remote control off of that nightstand right next to the comfortable chair. 
I'm going to put that remote control in a completely different room. In fact, I'm going to put it away in a drawer underneath some heavy things in a different room. I might even make it even harder. I might take the batteries out of the remote control, put the batteries in one drawer in one room, and the remote control in another drawer in another room. And then I'm going to put my journal, or my biology book, or the thing that I want to study tonight when I get home from school, I'm going to put that book in the place where my remote control goes. And I walk into the room, coming home from school, I put my backpack down, sit down in the comfortable chair, and reach over with my hand to pick up the remote control, but it's not there. Oh, that's right. I was going to change things. Here's my biology book. Let me study biology instead. And that is going to be far more effective than just telling yourself that you're going to use willpower. Okay, the same thing holds true if you want to get in better shape, if you want to eat better, uh, whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to eat better, make sure that there's not all the unhealthy food that's going to just get in your way all over your home. Replace it with healthy food. If you want to be a better student, one of the things that we learned from my interview with Janice Kim, who I interviewed on this podcast a few months ago, Janice Kim, for those of you who need a refresher, she's a parent of someone who was in the Ivy League Challenge. Her three older children went to MIT, Yale, and Harvard, respectively, for undergraduate studies. And her fourth child is in the Ivy League Challenge. She's one of my students. Janice is wonderful for so many reasons. And one thing that she told us in that interview, I'm going to bring back to your attention. Go back and listen to that interview. It's full of gems and wisdom. But one of the things that she talked about is when she was visiting Korea, these tiny homes that are so expensive, the square footage is like more expensive than San Francisco. And yet all of these families that put priority on having a study desk for their children. And they had big, clean study desks with all of the equipment, all of the resources that the children needed to do a great job preparing for school. And then when she comes back to the United States where she lives, none of the people that she talks to or very few of the people that she talks to actually has a designated study area with an environment that's designed to support the child with their academic studies, right? And so teenagers might study at the dinner table or on the floor or on the couch or at random places at different times, but there's not a dedicated focused area. And so if you want to be an outstanding student, there's a great place to begin. What a great tip from an incredibly effective mother and something that I'm thrilled to be able to remind you of today in this podcast. Finally, laptops, phones. What are we doing with our notifications? What are we doing with those distractions? Are we using our technology to empower us, to move us downstream towards what we want? Or are we switching things around so that our technology pushes against what we want? So we have to swim upstream against our notifications and against our apps and against our technology. Let's be wise with all of this. So is it possible to both be incredibly ambitious and also be realistic? Absolutely. Be sure that you're thinking in the right time horizons, either very, very long, five years or 10 years, or very, very short, 20 minutes to an hour. Make sure that when you're making plans, you're dreaming big, you're thinking big, you're thinking long-term. When you're making progress towards those plans, you're thinking very, very, very short-term. Like, what am I doing now? The second thing, remember that self-identity is far more powerful than self-discipline. And the third, your environment is more important than your willpower. Let's use willpower to structure our environment so that that environment reinforces the life that we want to have. That reinforcement then helps us with our self-identity, and that self-identity propels us to take the actions that are going to lead to that incredibly ambitious outcome that we are looking for. 
You can do this, you guys. It is absolutely realistic to be incredibly ambitious. Music for this episode came from We Are Here by Declare P. I'm Steve Gardner. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share with a friend. Thanks for listening.